Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. Buenos dias. Greetings to our live stream and podcast family out there. Let me get situated again after my wife moved all my stuff around. (laughs) It's my turn to share uh, the word with you guys again today. And as usual, you can follow uh, the outline of the message through your Bible app. There's a place there to follow the outline as well as add your own notes. Uh, Or if you'd prefer a printed outline, well, you could just grab one from the box there. In the back, you guys, it is officially the halfway point of 2023. Actually, we stepped on over into the second half yesterday. 2023, halfway over. And this year we've been looking at our theme throughout the year Christology, right? Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Apocalipsis 1.8 dice... Yo soy el alfa y la omega. That's right. And because Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end all year long, as we read through the Bible together, we are... Como Jesucristo es el principio y el fin, todo el año al leer la Biblia estamos... Descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin. That's right, because Jesus is the reason why. He is the point of the whole Bible. The the whole purpose, the whole point of the whole Bible is to discover and know the Lord Jesus, right? Jesus is theology. He's the reason why. That's when we say Christology. Come on, say Christology. And you know, how many of you agree? I, I, I tend to really agree. We have a really great teaching here at, uh, teaching team here at Encounter Church. I'm glad it's not just me that y'all have to put up with, with. We have a lot of great teachers and preachers here. And you guys have heard some good stuff from others. I've been kind of taking you step by step uh, sequentially through the Bible. We're going to continue that uh, today. But you've heard a lot of great things from other teachers lately. And you're going to hear some more uh, over the summer. Last Sunday, for example, we discovered that Christ is what? Throughout the whole Bible, we we learn to know Jesus as our shepherd throughout the word. That's right. Well, today I'm going to take you the next step and then we're going to pause for a bit. But first, let's do this, all right? A little review of a lot. Ready? Can you listen and fast forward? Okay, so far, some of these we've had actual teachings on, others we've just kind of mentioned here and there, but we've read it all as we read through the Bible. So far, we've discovered Christ as the Word in creation, as the covering over Adam and Eve's sin after the fall. We see Christ through Abel's pleasing sacrifice, through Noah's ark that we have to get in. Very good. We see Jesus as the reversal. He reverses the tower of Babel. We see Jesus through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. 
We see Jesus as the Passover lamb in Egypt. We see Jesus working through their deliverance of of Israel through the Red Sea. We see Jesus as the manna who comes down from heaven, right? He's the bread from heaven. We see Jesus as the gushing rock that was struck. Remember that Moses struck that gives us the living water. We see Jesus through the giving of the commandments and the law. We see Jesus as we trace the tabernacle throughout the Bible. We see Jesus in all the sacrifices in Leviticus, which actually reflect the Sacrifices, I knew I'd get you somewhere. We see Jesus in all the sacrifices in Leviticus that reflect the Passover. Okay, we first have the Passover, then Leviticus is a reflection of that. Okay, very good. We see Jesus in the Day of Atonement, which anybody know what that foreshadows? The Day of Atonement foreshadows the crucifixion. That's right, the cross. Very good. We see Jesus as uh, in the story of that snake on a stick. We see him defeating Satan through the crucifixion, right? We saw a few weeks ago, we saw the blood of Jesus through Rahab's red rope. Very good. We're not going to take time in Judges, but I'll tell you this. If you read through Judges, you can see Jesus foreshadowed through the working of God's grace through the book of Judges, and Judges like Deborah, Gideon, Samson, and others, right? And what's going to happen next is we're going to get into a totally new time of history that we call the prophets and the kings, okay? This time in history of Israel is the prophets and the kings. And what we're going to do in a few weeks is I'm going to kind of pause, okay? I'm going to pause. We're going to take a look at some other things for a few weeks, And then when we get closer to fall, we're going to come to the prophets and the kings and go through the rest of the Old Testament. Sound like a plan? Okay. But before we get to the prophets and the kings, I got one more story for you that I love so, so much that I can see Jesus so clearly in. But first, I have a question. What's your favorite musical style? Sandra said classical, all right. What's your favorite musical style? Mariachi, all right. Merengue. Jazz. Duh, all right. Very good. What's your favorite musical style? If you know me, you know I like rock and roll, especially the hard stuff, all right. What else? Anybody like rap? Okay. How about how about black gospel? How about southern gospel? Country? Does anybody like R&B? Okay. Well, the title of today's message is R&B, all right? Rhythm and blues. Just kidding. Ruth and Boaz. All right? Just like we saw, just like we discovered with Rahab's red rope, today we're going to find Jesus through another story, very similar, of God's compassion, inclusion, and redemption. Is anybody glad that God had compassion on you, has included you, and redeemed you? 
let's take a look today at Ruth and Boaz. So I kind of have to set this story up for you. So bear with me, all right? Is it okay if I read out of the actual leather-bound Bible, right? In a few minutes, I'll have some scriptures on the screen for you, but let me give you just a little synopsis uh, leading up to where we're going to be reading today, okay? Ruth, the story of Ruth, happened at the same time as Judges, okay? And during the time of, of the Judges, there was a severe famine that came upon all of Israel, okay? And during this time of Judges, when the famine came, there was a man named Elimelech. Say Elimelech. It's actually more like Elimelech. All right, can you say that? Elimelech. Anybody know Elimelech's wife's name? Anybody know her name? Naomi. Not Naomi Judd. Naomi Elimelech. All right. They had two sons. Anybody remember their names? Malon and Kilion. All right, Malon and Kilion, okay? And they were from Bethlehem. Hmm, sound familiar? They were from Bethlehem, okay? But because of the famine, they decided to leave Israel and go to another nation, to another land called Moab. Very good, very good. Not Moab, Utah, but Moab over there. All right. And they lived there for a long time, but something sad happened while they were uh, in Moab. Elimelech died. Malon and Kilion married two Moabite women, okay? Moabite wives. Does anybody remember their name? Oprah Winfrey. And, no, actually it's not Oprah. It's Orpah, all right? And Ruth. Very good. Orpah and Ruth. And then the famine is over. Naomi hears that the famine is over, but something extra hap sad happens before the famine is over. Who else dies? Malon and Kilion die too. So Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. Then Malon and Kilion, her sons that would have taken care of her, also died. So now Naomi is left with Orpah and Ruth in Moab. And so she says, what am I doing here? I should go back home, right? So she decides I'm going to go back home to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back home to Israel. And, uh, you know, she tells her two daughters-in-law now, there's really nothing I can offer you anymore. I already gave you my sons and now they're dead and they can't take care of you. And I can't take care of you. I don't even have a husband. I'm going to go back home and see what the Lord will do, basically, in, in, in Israel, right? And uh, Orpah is like, oh, I love you, Naomi, but peace out, right? <laughs> see ya. I'm going home to daddy. <laughs> I'm going to go home and let my daddy take care of me. But what does Ruth say? Does anybody remember what Ruth says? I won't leave you. I'm going to go wherever you go, Right? In fact, she says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth recognized, this is important, Ruth recognized that Naomi had something that she needed. It wasn't the money. 
It wasn't the son to be a husband anymore. Somehow Ruth knew that she needed Naomi's God and to be a part of Naomi's people, okay? She knew that she had something, that Naomi had something that she needed. And so they travel back, they travel back to Israel and they get there and they don't, you know, they don't really have any food or anything. So Ruth goes out and does something that was kind of a part of the Hebrew culture back then and actually one of God's laws for his people was what the, when they were harvesting their fields, he wanted them to help take care of foreigners and widows. So he, he, he gave them a, a, a rule, a law, that when they were to harvest the field, anything that was left on the bushes, right, the stalks, or anything that was dropped out of the baskets of the harvesters, they weren't supposed to worry about it. What were they supposed to do? Leave it for the widows and the foreigners to have something to eat. And so Ruth goes, she finds herself a field, she, you know, and she, she gets out there and she starts gleaning. She starts picking up what's been dropped by the harvesters and what's been left in the field that they did not pick. And so come to find out, you know, this, the, the, the owner of the field comes out and just kind of checking on things. And he sees Ruth out there doing her thing. And does anybody know his name? There we go. R&B. There we go. Boaz is his name. And um, he asks, What's, what, who is that? And what she, you know, why, why is she out here? Well, that's Ruth. This is Naomi's daughter-in-law. Okay. The widow Naomi's daughter-in-law. And he realizes, oh, Naomi. This is the, the one who was loyal to Naomi, Right. And actually, come to find out, Boaz is part of Naomi's family. Not only part of the family, but he is actually what they called in their culture a family redeemer. Come on, say family redeemer. I'll come back to that here in just a minute, okay? But, you know, he, he talks to Ruth and he says, I know what you did for Naomi. I know about your loyalty. You can, don't go to anybody else's field. You can come back to my field every day. And he even tells the harvesters, he's like, don't y'all pick on Ruth. Y'all let her, and actually I want you to drop some on, on purpose so she can have some food, right? How wonderful. What, what, what a man full of mercy and grace, right? Let her, I want you to drop some on purpose so she can have some to pick up. Not only that, he goes and scoops out a bunch of extra grain and puts it in Ruth's cloak and Ruth's covering and sends extra food home with her for Naomi, right? Have y'all read this story? Okay, it's a good story. It's very, you can read it in 15 minutes. It's a very short story, okay? So this happens. She goes home. She tells her mother-in-law, I went out today and it was wonderful and where did you, Naomi's like, where'd you get all this food? I went up to this field and there was this man out there and he was really, really nice to me and he made everybody else be nice to me and I got to pick all this grain and he even gave me extra food for you. And who, who was this man? His name was Boaz. Boaz is part of our family. He's one of our family redeemers. That's why he's being so kind to you, okay? So Naomi has an idea. Anybody remember the idea? We're now in Ruth 3. That was Ruth 1 and 2. She knew 
What, Naomi? Yeah, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she says, you know, when you read the story, if you're not familiar with the culture, it kind of sounds a little strange, but she basically says, Ruth, we're going to see if Boaz will marry you and, 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 and bring you into the family, all right? So, again, I'll come back to that here in just a minute, but she says, you know, you need to take a bath. Put on some nice clothes and some perfume. Come on, somebody. Look at me. Ladies, you want a gentleman? Take a bath, put on some perfume, and don't dress sloppy. Gentlemen, that goes for you too if you want a lady. All right? And then she tells him, she tells Ruth, you got to, you got to, got to get bathed and smell good and then you're going to go and uh, Boaz is going to be threshing wheat okay after the harvest that you know they threshed it to, to beat the wheat out and all that kind of stuff he's going to be there he's going to be doing that and when he you're going to go there at night and when he falls asleep you're going to go lay down next to his feet just remember feet is a place of humility, okay? Go lay down next to his feet. And she, Naomi says, and he'll know what to do. He'll know what to do. That brings us to Ruth 3, 7. We have that here on the screen and in your Bible app, okay? After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly. Uncovered his feet. I would have freaked out. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Y'all, they didn't have electricity back then. It was dark. Like, somebody come uncover my feet at night. We're going to have a problem. Okay. <laughs> so she came at night and he was, she uncovered his feet and lay down. Do that to me. You're going to get kicked in the face. But around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up, I guess so, and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet. Now get this. It was dark. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, he already knew Ruth. He knew she was right back. He couldn't see her. Who are you? I'm your servant, Ruth. She replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. <laughs> Spread the corner of your what? Covering. Very important. Most important word of the day. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are, you are my redeemer. We could go home with that right now. Cover me, for you are my redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. And Ruth's like, I don't want to be your daughter. I want to be your mother. Okay. <laughs> You're showing me. <laughs> You're showing even more family loyalty now than you did before because you've not gone after a younger man, whether which, whether which, which, whether rich, try saying that, whether rich, 
or poor. Don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I'll do what's necessary for everyone in town knows you're a virtuous woman. (laughs) While it's true that I'm your family redeemer, I'm one of your family redeemers, there's another man who's more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, I'll talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. Come on, say, family redeemer. Again, there's a lot of cultural things here, you know, about the feet and the covering and the gleaning and the harvest and all that kind of stuff. This is another one, very, very important to understand that in Israel, uh, uh, families, uh, it was very important for the land that each family owned to stay in the family so that it wasn't lost and the family name would get lost, right? Because through the years, what would last to keep the family name going was the land that they owned. And so, but sometimes they needed to sell the land because they needed money, okay? And so what a family redeemer could do was that if a family member had had to sell their land, a family uh, redeemer could go and buy the land back and he could not be opposed in it. They had to sell it back to him, okay? So that the land could stay within the family. But another thing that happened is uh, that a family redeemer could basically adopt you into the family, okay? Because again, culturally speaking, this land that corresponded to the family, if you keep reading, for the other family redeemer to redeem it, it says that he would have to marry Ruth because she, she came along with the, the Naomi package, right? Okay, with the, the, the Naomi family package. Ruth came along because she was under Naomi. And so if, if Boaz was going to redeem the land, if Boaz was going to be the family redeemer, he would actually have to marry Ruth. And then if he married Ruth... It was literally like adopting her into Israel, okay? Because then she would no longer be Ruth the Moabite. She would become Ruth the Israelite, the Bethlehemite, which is very powerful. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but listen, ready? Boaz had the ability to adopt Ruth into God's family through a covenant relationship. We know that for them, that covenant relationship was marriage. marriage. He would marry Ruth, and as he married Ruth, she would pass into the family of Israel. She would be adopted. Does that sound familiar to you? Is there a covenant relationship that can adopt us into God's family? I don't know who you see there, but I, I see the Redeemer. I see Jesus. Ruth, another thing that's important. Ruth needed faith and humility for this. First of all, she needed faith to draw near and trust the family Redeemer. Come here, look at me. Ruth needed faith to draw near 
and trust in the Redeemer. Does that sound familiar? Ruth represents you and me. Come say, I am Ruth. Boaz represents Christ. Ruth is you and me. Boaz is Christ. And she had to have humility, not only faith, but humility, because it wasn't like she could just go up and be like, hey, Boaz, you know, like, no, no, no. She had to go in the dark of night and lay down next to his feet after he'd been threshing wheat. She had to go lay down next to his feet and trust in him. She had to, this is so, 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 so important. She had to have the humility to go lay down at his feet and see if Boaz would accept her. That takes humility. Again, she couldn't just bust up in there and be like, I'm pretty, marry me, right? She had to be humble enough to go do the humble thing and see if he would accept her. It's a lot. (laughs) But something that we see throughout scripture is that humility positions us for the most powerful force that can work inside of a human being. What is it called? You got you cheating. It's on the screen, okay? What does humility position us for? Grace. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Humility positions us for grace. So are we ready to find Jesus in this really, really specifically? Well, we kind of already did, but I want to talk to you about the grace of Jesus, right? What did Boaz spread over Ruth? His covering. Very good. His cloak, his covering, it says. Today, we're going to look at Christ, our covering. Say, Christ, my covering. Now, what is it that he covers us with? Think Jesus. There's one thing that you can only get through Jesus. Only Jesus. It's grace. Only, you can only get grace through Jesus. We can read about the love of the Father throughout the whole Bible and the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and all that, but Only in Jesus can you get grace, okay? And what is it that he covers us with? Don't be shy. He covers us with his grace. Very good. Now, this is important to understand. Grace is not just a nice idea. Grace is actually an active force. Grace is an active force. Force. 
Grace is actually at work. The Bible says that it's his power working in us and on our behalf. So grace isn't just something that you receive to cover you, but that when you come up under the covering of grace, it's active, it's, it's working, it's moving, it's doing something in you and for you and even through you. Come on, say grace. I want to tell you today from this story, three powerful things that grace is actively doing and accomplishing in us. You ready? Number one, grace covers. First of all, grace covers. She said, spread the corner of your covering over me. And that's what he does, right? Boaz is, this is, wow, this really got me. Boaz is covering Spreading over Ruth actually spread over who Ruth was. Who was Ruth? She was a Moabite, not an Israelite. Moabites were not in covenant relationship with God. They were not the family of God yet, right? So when Boaz said, There's my covering. He was literally covering who she was, her identity. Okay? We are all Ruth before Christ covers us. We're all outside of relationship with God before Christ covers us. Alienated from God, but Christ covers us with his grace Listen to this. Instead of being disgusted or insulted by Ruth's actions and sending her away in rejection, Boaz covered her. Now, I don't know about you, but instead of sending me away, being disgusted by my sin, by who I was, instead of rejecting me, Christ covered me and he covers me today is he covering you what do you need Jesus to cover I don't know about you but I need him to cover up a lot right Jesus has covered and not covering to hide but his covering changed who she was And when Christ covers who we were, it changes who we are. When you come up under Christ's covering, just like when Ruth came up under Boaz's covering, she went from being a Moabite to an Israelite. When we come up under Christ's covering of grace, we go from sinner to saint in an instant. Look at me. Stop saying I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. That is a incorrect, incomplete theology. If you are in Christ, if you've been covered by him, your identity has changed. That's why the Bible calls us saints. Come on, say, I'm a saint. No, if you're not, become one today. What do you need Jesus to cover? 
Have you taken refuge? Have you taken cover under Christ's grace? Number one, grace covers. Number two, grace provides. God's grace provides what you and I cannot provide for ourselves. Listen, and I hope everybody takes this right. If you, do, if you take it wrong, that's on you, okay? But look at me. Work is good. I got about one-fourth of the amens in the room. All right, look at me. Work is good. Work, a job, doing something to feed yourself. Like Ruth, going out there, doing what she could, out in the sun, gleaning what she could, okay? Work is good. Ruth needed to go do that. But <laughs> you don't have to work for everything. All the time. Why, why do I say that? Because God just sometimes provides above and beyond just because he's good. He's loving. He's generous. He's benevolent. He's a good father. We need to work, but we also need to understand that our working can't provide everything we need. We need his grace to provide everything, okay? Listen, maybe you can work enough. I know you can work enough to feed yourself and feed your family, but how many of you know, I need more than just that. And I'm not talking about money only. We need stuff, right? We need stuff in our life, in our soul, in our family, in our hearts, we need stuff that work cannot provide. Now again, work is good, but work can't get you everything you need. Come on, say work is good. I love how it says in Ruth 3.15, uh, Boaz said to Ruth, bring your cloak and spread it out. Bring your what? Now what was her cloak? What was she, what, what was she using her cloak for? To work. To work, to gather, right? I want you to bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak, cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. I love how he filled her cloak, the very thing she used to work and provide for herself. He didn't go get another bag and give it to her. This says something. He used her cloak. He used the very thing because she had a good attitude. She wasn't out there just. I'm a widow. I deserve it. Now, come on, y'all. Careful. Ruth was not entitled. That's why she was able to get some grace. Humility gets you grace. Entitlement gets you the opposite. All right. But Ruth was not entitled. She was out there doing what she needed to do. And Boaz said, okay, come over here and bring 
bring your clothes. He used the very thing that she was using to work to give her more than she could give herself. He gave her an abundance of grain without working for it. She worked for a little bit of grain, but he gave her an abundance of grain. Oh, she worked for a little bit of grain and he gave her an abundance of it. Grace provides above and beyond what we can provide for ourselves. Grace covers and it provides. And not only that, but man, I want, I want to challenge some of you with this. Some of you really, really need to grab a hold of this right now. Could you just, if your heart hasn't been open, open it. Just give me 30 seconds. Ready? Open your heart. Take a deep breath. I know this may not hit everybody the same, but I know it's for some, okay? Work is good, yes. But also you need to open up your eyes and see how much God has given you without working for it. Because sometimes we get upset thinking God hadn't given All I've done and this is all I've got. Doesn't he see me working? Open your eyes. Just pause and open your eyes and see what he's given you that you couldn't give yourself. The things that you could not earn or merit that he's given you. Because of grace. Anybody say, thank you, Jesus. The thing is, grace gives us more. Grace just gives us more. Say, grace covers. Grace provides. And finally, grace includes. This is another example of God's heart. We saw it with Rahab already. This is another example of God's heart to bring everybody, non-Jews. It's a foreshadowing of all the non-Jews who would become part of his family. Okay? This is God's heart on display to bring everyone into his family. Okay? Eventually, all nations, tribes, tongues, ethnos, right? All people groups would become a part of his family. This story is, just shows us that that was going to happen. And he's already including non-Jews into his family. And making her, who was not one of them, he made her one of them. And then put her right in the middle of his plan. We learned with Rahab. Who's Rahab's great, 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 great grandson? King David and then King Jesus. You might be getting the picture. Ruth became a what? 
Bethlehemite. Just like God brought an enemy prostitute, Rahab, into his family and made her an important part of history, an important part of his plan, now God includes a nobody tag-along willow, wi- willow, widow, <laughs> Moabite widow. She was a nobody, y'all. We got any nobodies? Any nobody willows? <laughs> any, <laughs> any, nobody, any nobodies out there? I don't know about you, but when I say all Jesus has done to me, I feel like a tag along. (laughs) Colado, right? A tag along. Say tag along. So glad he invited me to tag along. Can you guess who Ruth becomes? How about we read it? Ruth 4. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who's now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age for he's the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor of women said, now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. No matter who you were, just like, again, like we learned with Rahab. Maybe you don't identify so much with Rahab. Maybe you identify more with Ruth, just a tag along, just a nobody. That God, in his grace, has now included. He's brought us into the family and made us a part of his plan. Come on, say, grace covers. Grace provides. Grace includes. I want to ask just for the next couple of minutes if we could avoid getting up and down or going in and out. Look at me. You have to get under Christ. There's no grace anywhere else. This is no, there is no other way into the family of God. There's no other way into relationship with God except through Christ. But look at me. You don't just need to get under his covering. You need to stay under Christ. Don't just humble yourself in faith and submit to him so that he can cover you for a little while. Stay under that covering the rest of your days. Live in Christ. Live under Christ. Be adopted in the family and stay in the family. 
Don't get under the covering and then get back out. And maybe you've never come up under the covering. Maybe grace has never covered you. Maybe you've never experienced the provision of grace to forgive you, to save you. Maybe you haven't yet been included in the family through Christ. If you haven't, you can today, you can right now. If you humble yourself and come with faith in Christ and believe in Him and what He did for you on the cross, that He died in your place to forgive your sins, that He rose from the grave, that He ascended back into heaven as King of kings. And now He's the King, King Jesus. When we come up under Him and we make Him our King, He covers us. He covers all that we are and all that we will ever be. He provides all we'll ever need and more. And He includes us in His family and in His plan. Have you humbly come to Jesus? Have you given Him your life? John 1 says that everyone who believes in Jesus gets adopted, (laughs) receives the rights of children, children of God. Are you covered? Are you covered? Have you received that forgiveness from your past? Have you taken refuge in Christ? Are you provided for? Have you stopped trying to earn God's favor and just trusted His grace? Are you included? (laughs) Have you joined the family? If you haven't yet, Right now is your moment. In just a moment, I'm going to make another very important call. But first, does anybody need to trust in Christ and join the family today? If that's you, I want to ask you to just be bold. Stand up and walk up here to the front. Is that anybody? I'll stand here and wait for you. I'll welcome you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, but you'd like to today, you'd like him to cover you, forgive you, include you in the family, you want to make that decision today. You want to ask Jesus to cover you. Is that anyone? Come on, I'll wait here for just a little bit. I want to invite you. I don't mean to embarrass you or point you out, but we want to welcome you into the family. Is that anyone? Okay. If that's you and you just feel embarrassed and you want to come up here later, that's fine. Come talk to me. I'd love to help you come into the family.
I guess that means we have a house full of believers today. That's okay. So the question is this. Are you living as a Boaz? Are you extending the covering of God's grace to others? Are you inviting people in to the family? Are you extending God's grace over those who just like you and I didn't deserve it, they don't deserve it, but God loves them. And God has grace for them. Are you living your life not only under God's grace, but extending that grace, offering that grace, that covering to others? That's what you and I are called to as Christians. We've experienced, like Ruth, we've experienced the inclusion and the provision and that covering of grace that's brought us into God's family. And now we're supposed to do the same for others. Go out and cover this world with His grace. Cover your family with his grace. Cover your neighbors. Cover your coworkers, your classmates, your friends. Cover this city with his grace. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.